Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan, has finally weighed in on the banking crisis, just in case you weren't already sick to death of this being covered ad nauseum. And in short, he's largely laid the blame at the feet of regulators that he believes were asleep at the wheel, in addition to some shoddy management at the banks in question. He's also cautioned against knee-jerk or draconian regulator responses that might ultimately make matters worse. And this, I should note, is something that I had previously flagged in an interview I gave with Bloomberg. Now, with that in mind, let's look at what Jamie Diamond said, but do let me know your thoughts about this in the comments below. So what then did Jamie Dimon say about the causes of the current banking crisis? Well, Jamie Dimon's comments were in his annual letter to JP Morgan shareholders. And here Jamie Dimon specifically said, The recent failures of Silicon Valley Bank in the United States and Credit Suisse in Europe and the related stress on the banking system underscore the simply satisfying regulatory requirements is not sufficient. Risks are abundant and managing those risks requires constant and vigilant scrutiny as the world evolves. Regarding the current disruption in the US banking system, most of these risks were hiding in plain sight. Interest rate exposure and the fair value of held to maturity portfolios and the amount of uninsured deposits were always known, both to regulators and the marketplace. The unknown risk was that SVB's over 35,000 corporate clients and activity within them were largely controlled by a small number of venture capital companies, and they moved their deposits in lockstep. It is unlikely that any recent change in regulator requirements would have made a difference in what followed. Instead, the rapid rise in interest rates placed a heightened focus on the potential for a rapid deterioration in the fair value of held to maturity portfolios, and in this case, the lack of stickiness of certain uninsured deposits. Ironically, banks were actually incented to own these very safe government securities because they were considered highly liquid by regulators and carried very low capital requirements. Even worse, the stress testing based on the scenario devised by the Federal Reserve Board never incorporated interest rates at higher levels. This is not to absorb bank management. It's just to make clear that this wasn't the finest hour for many players. All of these colliding factors became critically important when the marketplace, ratings agencies, and depositors all focused on them. As I write this letter, the crisis is not yet over. And even when it is behind us, there will be repercussions for years to come. So what Jamie Dimon is highlighting here is a whole lot of factors coalesced to give rise to the current banking crisis. Focusing on Silicon Valley Bank, for example, there was the rather shaky bedrock of their deposits. This was a highly networked deposit base of tech firms and venture capitalists that were all exposed to similar economic forces. Then what Silicon Valley Bank did is they took in deposits during the tech boom, and they then invested this money in things such as low-yield treasuries and low-yield mortgage-backed securities. However, Silicon Valley Bank didn't hedge the interest rate exposure. They didn't insure against the risk of interest rates going up, thereby reducing the value of their existing portfolio. Furthermore, Silicon Valley Bank seemed to assume the deposits would continue to be forthcoming and that there wouldn't be a downturn that would have forced all of their depositors to need to withdraw their money for corporate purposes. However, lo and behold, there was such a downturn, and many of these depositors started to suffer from cash flow issues, meaning they simply weren't able to deposit more money as they were before, and also needed to start withdrawing money to satisfy corporate purposes. This, of course, exposed Silicon Valley Bank's investment practices, exposed the fact that they'd invested a lot of these deposits into things that had now gone down in value. Silicon Valley Bank then needed to sell all of their available sales securities, and they also needed to do a capital raise. The capital raise focused attention on Silicon Valley Bank's balance sheet, and it focused attention on what exactly was going on with their hold to maturity securities. And this ultimately triggered a bank run 
$42 billion worth of deposits were going to go in one day, and then another $100 billion in the next day, all owing to the highly concentrated, highly networked deposit base the Silicon Valley Bank itself had courted. And this ultimately caused Silicon Valley Bank to go under. Jamie Dimon, of course, is not absolving the regulators. To some extent, he's noting that regulators knew about this, but in fact didn't seem to do very much. The risks here were hiding in plain sight. Any of the regulators should have seen what was going on, perhaps, and tried to encourage Silicon Valley Bank to perhaps hedge its interest rate exposure, or maybe force Silicon Valley Bank to have higher capital requirements, given how concentrated its deposit base was. Concentrated in terms of network effects, and concentrated in terms of economic exposure. And the regulators here seemingly knew all of these issues, but seemingly didn't actually do anything. And therefore, it was this confluence of factors that ultimately led to this banking crisis, at least in the United States. Jamie Dimon also highlights that while the current banking crisis is still ongoing, it isn't at all like what happened in 2008. Jamie Dimon specifically says, But importantly, recent events are nothing like what occurred in the 2008 global financial crisis, which itself barely touched regional banks. In 2008, the trigger was a growing recognition that $1 trillion worth of consumer mortgages were about to go bad, and they were owned by various types of entities around the world. At that time, there was enormous leverage virtually everywhere in the financial system. Major investment banks, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, nearly all savings and loan institutions, off-balance sheet vehicles, AIG, and banks around the world, all of them failed. This current banking crisis involves far fewer financial players, and fewer issues that need to be resolved. To hear Jamie Dimon is highlighting that the current banking crisis is much smaller in scale than what happened in 2008. We've seen the failure of SVB and Signature Bank, and we've seen other banks come under pressure, such as First Republic. However, here, the banking crisis has largely been stemmed, at least slowed down. After all, the Federal Reserve, the FDIC, and Treasury came in to provide reassurance that the uninsured depositors at SVB would ultimately receive their money suggesting that in future banking crises, something similar might occur, although Janet Yellen has somewhat muddied the waters on this. Furthermore, they've taken steps to provide additional liquidity to the banking sector, thereby helping to stabilize the whole situation. By contrast, in 2008, we saw a whole lot of systemically important institutions come under massive pressure, which seems not to have been the case here. We've seen Credit Suisse fail. However, Credit Suisse's failure appears to have been largely due to their poor management, a whole lot of factors building up over time that led to Credit Suisse having their largest loss in 15 years in the latest annual report, in addition to concerns about their reporting, in addition to the myriad legal problems that Credit Suisse had had building up over the past year. And ultimately, with the Credit Suisse situation, that at least has been stabilized with UBS coming in to ultimately acquire Credit Suisse. All of this talk about venture capital and Silicon Valley Bank leads me on to my course about venture capital, startups, and angel investing. I'm an experienced angel investor, having invested in 15 or so startups myself, in addition to follow-on rounds and pre-IPO rounds. I sit on the investment committee of a large angel investor group, and I'm a board observer at two startups. I've developed this course to contain about six hours of content that go through how angel investors and VCs make investment decisions, the types of things that go into the structure of that investment, and then what they ultimately look at in terms of valuation. I also talk about what goes into the term sheet with these investments, and what one looks for in terms of exits. Like I said, it contains about six hours of content, and if you sign up using the discount code BANKINGCRISIS, or my link in the description below, you can get 40% off this course, and hopefully it's useful to you. But with that in mind, let's go back to what Jamie Dimon is saying about the banking crisis. Jamie Dimon also notes that even though the current banking crisis 
hasn't taken down the large players, it certainly doesn't help them very much. Jamie Dimon states, Any crisis that damages Americans' trust in their banks damages all banks, a fact that was known even before this crisis. While it is true that the bank crisis has quote-unquote benefited larger banks due to the inflow of deposits that they have received from smaller institutions, the notion that this meltdown was good for them in any way is absurd. He's highlighting that when there's a lack of confidence in the banking system, it might cause people to maybe put their money on a mattress, or alternatively, if they're high net worth individuals, take their money out of deposits and put it into treasuries, which ultimately means that money can't be used by banks to go out and lend to facilitate businesses or mortgages or various other things. And that ultimately slows economic growth, which is bad for everyone. Jamie Diamond is specifically saying this due to the allegation that large banks, such as JP Morgan, have disproportionately benefited from the small banks going under, or at least coming under pressure, and therefore should be paying this higher special adjustment in order to ensure deposits. Jamie Dimon then talks about the regulator response. Jamie Dimon is not keen on additional Decronian regulation. He's not keen on regulators coming in, just bringing in more regulation for the sake of regulation. And indeed, this is something that I largely agree with Jamie Dimon on. Jamie Dimon specifically says, it is extremely important that we avoid knee-jerk, whack-a-mole, or politically motivated responses that often result in achieving the opposite of what people intended. Now is the time to deeply think through and coordinate complex regulations to accomplish the goals we want, eliminating costly inefficiencies and contradictory policies. Very often, rules are put in place in one part of the framework without appreciating the consequences in combination with other regulations. We do not want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And here, to some extent, Jamie Dimon might be getting the idea that banks were incented to invest in treasuries, which ultimately were susceptible to that interest rate risk. And they were doing this without necessarily hedging the interest rate risk that they ultimately assumed. Now, Jamie Dimon has not been the biggest fan of additional regulation in the past. He specifically called out states such as New York and specifically praised states such as Florida for their regulatory approaches. We love Florida. We're growing in Florida left and right. You know, small businesses, large companies. We got, I've got how many total employees we have here. I'm on my way to Tampa. We've got, you know, major operations there. Orlando, major operations. Uh, we're opening branches. And so uh, the mayor just joined us in a small business event we did here. We're very pro-Florida. Pro Florida likes business. They want you to come. You know, you come to Florida, you see the opt-in. Texas is the same way. You know, if, if I was some other states, I'd be thinking about why do people like going to these states? It's their taxes. It's their pro-business. They want better life for the people. It's not necessarily some of the policy we talked about. So, um, you know, we now have more employees in Texas than in New York State. You know, it should have been that way, but Texas loves to be there. And when you go there, they're optimistic. They're optimistic here. Pro-American, optimistic, pro-business. No. Unfortunately, no. Now here, I largely agree with Jamie Dimon. And I've said this in the past in an interview I gave with Bloomberg. As, as more than one critic, and even today at, these, at the hearing, uh, said you had plenty of regulations. You just weren't paying enough attention. You were asleep at the switch, as one senator put it. And when you look at the various uh, accounts of this, it, it's hard to go away from the conclusion that, yeah, they had the rules. They even knew sometimes it was going on. They just didn't act, and they didn't act quickly. That's absolutely right. So part of the issue, of course, is that the regulators interacted and then nothing happened. But of course, the question is, well, the regulators might be able to flay concerns, but if they're not empowered to actually do anything about them, or they don't have some of the tools to try to perhaps force Silicon Valley Bank to actually do something about all of these issues, you end up with the problems. 
So regulation has a role to play, but not necessarily excessive regulation, not necessarily draconian regulation that would go around harming these banks in an adverse way, rather regulation that is calibrated mm -hmm. to looking at, well, what is the exact risk and how do you address it? If it's interest rate risk, well, do you try to get these firms to hedge proactively? Or if it's deposit book risk, well, do you try to get these firms to have diversified their deposit book, similarly with loans? So the regulation needs to be appropriate to the context. But absolutely more regulation for the sake of more regulation isn't going to solve anything. Jamie Dimon also talks about several parts of a possible solution to this type of banking crisis. So Jamie Dimon says that we should decide a priori what should stay in the regulatory system and what shouldn't. Now here Jamie Dimon is getting at multiple things, but the area I particularly want to focus on is that we need a Grundnorm for the regulation, and we need limiting principles behind those regulations. We need to know what that regulator regime is designed to achieve, rather than just having bolt-on ad hoc approaches to regulation that ultimately create a bit of a mess. So let's think about a real-world example of why limiting principles are important. And here we can see this easily with the pandemic. So for example, say we start off with the idea that we should mask up in order to try to stop the spread. Well, if we don't have a clear idea for the appropriate reach of government, well, this can quickly spread into a lockdown, which undermines small business, significantly harms property, costs a lot of people a lot of money, and can significantly grind the economy to a halt. Without a clear idea of where the government should draw the line, at what regulation is appropriate and what isn't, we can easily just keep bolting on more and more and more regulation until ultimately the government has significant control. Jamie Dimon is getting the idea that we need to know in advance what our Grund norm is, what exactly is the base norm, and therefore what exactly are our limiting principles behind what is going on with the regulation, to stop regulation getting out of control. Jamie Dimon also notes that we need banks to be attractive investments, and this is clearly the case. For example, look at your 401k or your super fund or your pension fund. Well, I would wager that a lot of that money in your 401k is in fact in banking stocks, because these are large companies that make up a significant portion of the S&P 500. Therefore, if you want your 401k to do okay, you need banks to be a decent investment. Similarly, if your guests are going to go out and trade, you need the banks to be a decent investment. Or similarly, if you want your bank to actually function as a bank, you need it to be a decent investment because those banks will periodically want to do an equity raise. They'll periodically want to be actually able to go out and raise money from their shareholders to go out and invest or do various other things. You need the bank to be an actually good investment for it to continue functioning as a going concern. So these are some of Jamie Dimon's most pertinent comments about the current banking crisis. As indicated, this highlighted it was due to a confluence of factors, the regulators perhaps being asleep at the wheel, in addition to the underlying problems with companies such as Silicon Valley Bank. He's also highlighted that while regulations could perhaps be enhanced, recalibrated, and made more fit for purpose, we don't necessarily just need more regulation for the sake of more regulation, which could ultimately actually make matters worse. He's further highlighted that regional banks are important, large global banks are important, and we don't necessarily want to demonize banks, rather they play a vital role in the financial system. Now those are what Jamie Dimon's views are. However, if you've got any thoughts about this banking crisis, any thoughts about what Jamie Dimon is saying, or any thoughts otherwise, let me know that in the comments below. And otherwise, thanks a lot for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, and hopefully I see you next time as well.